one of the things we're doing here in the month of December is every Sunday is Family Sunday. And if you've got a youngling uh, who would like to come up to the front row, we have a world-renowned author and reader, professional reader, that's coming up. And uh, I've had the privilege of knowing this particular person uh, since they were just a wee toddler themselves, the young age of like 13 or 14, I think. Um, and so without further ado, would you please welcome Mrs. Lindsay Ellingwood to come read the Polar Express. <laughs> I am not the author of the book. I don't think I've ever written a book, but I have read a book or two. So this morning, before we dig into scripture, we're just going to share another classic Christmas story, The Polar Express. So, On Christmas Eve, many years ago, I lay quietly in my bed. I did not rustle the sheets. I breathed slowly and silently. I was listening for a sound. A sound a friend had told me I'd never hear. The ringing bells of Santa's sleigh. There's no Santa, my friend had insisted, but I knew he was wrong. Late that night, I did hear sound, though not of ringing bells. From outside came the sound of a hissing steam engine and squeaking metal. I looked through my window and saw a train standing perfectly still on the front, in the front of my house. It was wrapped in an apron of steam. Snowflakes fell lightly around it. A conductor stood at the open door of one of the cars. He took a large pocket watch from his vest, and then he looked up at my window. I put on my slippers and robe. I tiptoed downstairs and out the door. All aboard, the conductor cried out. I ran up to him. Well, he said, are you coming? Where, I asked. Why, to the North Pole, of course, was his answer. This is the Polar Express. I took his outstretched hand and he pulled me aboard. The train was filled with other children, all in their pajamas and nightgowns. We sang Christmas carols and ate candies with nogurt centers as white as snow. We drank hot cocoa as thick and rich as melted chocolate bars. Outside, the lights of towns and villages flickered in the distance as the Polar Express raced onward. Soon, there were no more lights to be seen. We traveled through cold, dark forests where lean wolves roamed and white-tailed rabbits hid from our train as it thundered through the quiet wilderness. We climbed a mountain so high it seemed as if we would scrape the moon, but the Polar Express never slowed down. Faster and faster, we ran along, rolling over peaks and through valleys like a car on a roller coaster. The mountains turned into hills and hills to snow-covered plains. We crossed the barren desert of ice, the great polar ice cap. Lights appeared in the distance. They looked like the lights of a strange ocean liner sailing on a frozen sea. There, said the conductor, is the North Pole. The North Pole? It was a huge city standing alone at the top of the world, filled with factories where Christmas toys were made. At first, we saw no elves. They are gathering at the center of the city, the conductor told us. That is where Santa will give the first gift of Christmas. 
Who receives the first gift? We all asked. The conductor answered, He will choose one of you. Look, shouted one of the children, the elves. Outside we saw hundreds of elves. As our train drew closer to the center of the North Pole, we slowed to a crowd, so crowded were the streets with Santa's helpers. When the Polar Express could go no further, we stopped and the conductor led us outside. We pressed through the crowd to the edge of a large open circle. In front of us stood Santa's sleigh. The reindeer were excited. They pranced and paced, ringing the silver sleigh bells that hung from their harness. It was a magical sound, like nothing I had, never, I had ever heard. Across the circle, the elves moved apart, and Santa appeared. The elves cheered wildly. He marched over to us and, pointing at me, said, Let's have this fellow here. He jumped into his sleigh, and the conductor handed me up. I sat on Santa's knee, and he asked, Now, what would you like for Christmas? I knew that I could have any gift I could imagine, but the thing I wanted most for Christmas was not inside Santa's giant bag. What I wanted more than anything was one silver bell from Santa's sleigh. When I asked, Santa smiled. Then he gave me a hug and told an elf to cut a bell from a reindeer's harness. The elf tossed it up to Santa. He stood holding the bell high above him and called out, The first gift of Christmas. A clock struck midnight on the elves as the elves roared their approval. Santa handed the bell to me and I put it in my bathrobe pocket. The conductor helped me down from the sleigh. Santa shouted out the reindeer's names and cracked his whip. His team charged forward and climbed into the air. Santa circled around above us and then disappeared in the cold, dark polar sky. As soon as we were back inside the Polar Express, the other children asked to see the bell. I reached into my pocket, but the only thing I felt was a hole. I had lost the silver bell from Santa Claus's sleigh. Let's hurry outside and look for it, one of the children said. But the train gave a sudden lurch and started moving. We were on our way home. It broke my heart to lose the bell. When the train reached my house, I sadly left the other children. I stood at my doorway and waved goodbye. The conductor said something from the moving train, but I couldn't hear him. Why? I yelled. He kept his hands around his mouth. Merry Christmas, he shouted. The Polar Express let out a loud blast from its whistle and sped away. On Christmas morning, my little sister Sarah and I opened our presents. When it looked as if everything had been unwrapped, Sarah found one last small box behind the tree. It had my name on it. Inside was the silver bell. There was a note. Found this in the seat of my sleigh. Fix that hole in your pocket. Signed, Mr. C. I shook the bell, and it made the most beautiful sound my sister and I had ever heard. But my mother said, Oh, that's too bad. Yes, said my father. It's broken. When I had shaken the bell, my parents had not heard a sound. 
one time, most of my friends could hear the bell, but as years passed, it fell silent for all of them. Even Sarah found one Christmas that she could no longer hear its sweet sound. Though I've grown old, the bell still rings for me as it does for all who truly believe. So just because I can, I'm going to talk about Andy real quick. It's, uh, it's not often that you get to work with your best friend. Um, but I've known Andy and Lindsay before they came here. I've, we joke around I've known Lindsay longer than I've known, known Andy. But we served in different churches and we did a lot of stuff together in the community in Florida. And so it's just, I want you all to know that... Um, I appreciate this man, that he does a lot of stuff to balance me out. And uh, those of you who know us well know that we're opposites. We're like the odd couple from the 70s that show he's the one that, like, you know, neat. And t- anyway, you can figure that out. But <laughs> I, just, I just want you to know I really appreciate the opportunity I have to serve with Andy uh, professionally, but also the relationship that he and I have had has grown stronger and it's just great to, to have that opportunity. So thank you all for putting up with both of us, but also thank you for putting up with me and trying to figure out some of the things that I come up with sometimes and uh, just being an encouragement to me and my family. So Andy Ellingwood, ladies and gentlemen. No. See, he knows me so well, he knows not to hug me. So, <laughs> so good morning. I love Christmas time. It's awesome. I love this time of year. Um, and it's also one of my favorite times to preach. Um, I don't get to do it too often during Christmas time, but um, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, and so if you haven't figured out, we are in week three of this series we're calling The Journey. And, and as I thought about this theme, The Journey, I could only think about one thing, one memory that came flooding back into my mind over and over again. And it, it, it's of these memories of taking these uh, vacations with my family. It'd be me and my, my dad and my mom, and I had a, an older, I have an older sister and a younger brother. And I remember riding in the car, and I was the middle child. Anyone a middle child here? Who's a bit, oh, <laughs> yes, yes. You guys, you guys can understand my pain then. I always had to sit in the middle because that's just, just how it is. You have the, the younger brother gets the window seat and your older sister gets the window seat and I'm in the middle. So I got the lick, the little hump over my legs. You guys, you guys understand. Thank you for, for understanding me in that. But the story I want to share with you actually happened um, before I was born. And it kind of just lives on in history and in, in infamy in my family. And it, it goes a little something like this. It involves my mom and my dad. And my sister and this. I got a picture of it. Boom. Orange VW Bug. Yeah. Well, if you were my mom or my sister or my, bro- or my mom or my dad or my sister, you have terrible memories of this and you don't want to see this picture at all. <laughs> so back in the, I think in the late 70s or early 80s, my, my dad had one of these. My dad owned one of these cars. And I just so happened one day, big surprise, it broke down, right? Cars break down, that's what happens to them. Well, he's, my dad says the engine was so light, him and his buddy took the engine out and they went into his buddy's basement. They rebuilt it. They did. They put it back together and made it all in running condition and they, they took it back out of the basement and they put it back in the car, except they forgot one very small detail. They didn't, they didn't make sure that the fuel line was put in properly. 
And so the next week, they're, they're going to the grocery store. It's, it's cold out. And they're driving down the road. And all of a sudden, my dad sees like people like honking at him and waving at him. My dad's like, man, everyone's really happy today. And he's waving at him. Well, it turns out the car was fully engulfed in flames. <laughs> so the fuel line came out and was spraying fuel all over the place. And when it got hot enough, it just engulfed the whole car. But I, I hear this story nonstop in my family. I mean, I think like every time I see them, this story comes up. And, and, and I'll tell you what, the, their journey to the grocery store will never be the same again. And, um, and so this morning, we're going to be talking about someone vital in the Christmas story who also took a journey that they, will, they would never, ever forget. And actually, the whole world would never, ever forget this journey either. A journey that would change more than her plan for a trip to the grocery store. This morning, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about Mary. In fact, Mary had a firsthand encounter with Jesus the Son of God. And as we read through the Scriptures, whether it's in the, the Old Testament or whether it's in the, the New Testament, we, people, we see people that have firsthand encounters with God, with people who have firsthand encounters with Jesus, and their lives are forever changed. They're never the same again. And, 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 in, and sudden changes may surprise us in life, but they don't surprise God. Changes is a difficult word in our society. And, and actually, I know this because as a church staff, when we start thinking about change, we start planning for it a year out. We start praying about it because we know you people are just difficult to, to handle. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's just part of life. And, and whether it's in church or at home or, or at work, change is difficult. And it's, it was, it's difficult for us to handle. Sometimes we're aware of the changes coming in our lives, but most of the times... We're not prepared for the change. And, and, and this morning, I want you to think about your own journey and how the day-to-day can be altered by one little thing changing in your life. No matter what surprises come your way, you can trust that God has a plan for your life. Do you believe that this morning? I mean, do you actually truly believe that this morning? No matter what's changing in your life, God has a plan, and it's His plan. And so this morning, we're going to travel through time as we look at Scripture and also our journey, journey with the seasonal classic that we just read this morning, the Polar Express. Um, do you guys remember the setting from last week? That Remember John walked in here? The steam engine, the steam engine barreling through a, a young boy's bed front yard, pausing for a moment to change this Christmas Eve. And this morning, we're starting out in Luke chapter 1, starting at, at verse 26. And, and if you're reading along, we're gonna, you're going to start at verse 26. It says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And, and I'm going to pause here for a moment. And, and, and why, is David's, why is David important in this? Well, about a thousand years prior to this, God promised David, from your line, from your throne, will be a kingdom that never, ever ends. Well, David dies, and this is a thousand years earlier, remember, before this is written, and a thousand years later, and what God meant is, from your line will come the Savior of the world, and he will rule, and he will reign over Israel and the entire world. However, the nation of Israel had to wait a thousand years for God to make good on his promise. 
And even more, if we consider Abraham, um, continuing in verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel that question. How will this be since I am a virgin? And actually, if you can't figure that out, John Fatrock will be available after service to answer any of your questions about that. So he's sitting up here in the front. But as we travel along, the path of the Polar Express is taking and its final destination also stirred up a question or two, right? Where are we going? Who will get there first? These were not quite the same questions Mary was, was encountering after an angel. But seriously, I think about this question. How can it be? How can it be? Uh, I think about Mary, what she must be thinking in her mind. How can this be? My life is about to change. She's thinking, I've got a wedding to plan. I'm engaged to a well-respected man in this community. His name is Joseph. He's a carpenter. We, we have our whole lives in front of us. And now this, this strange news comes to Mary. Everything's going to change for her. My life, my situation has changed dramatically in just one moment. Was, was Mary aware of the gift? It is said that at this time in Mary's life, she was only roughly 14, maybe, maybe a little bit older. And surely she must be thinking, I'm too young for this. I, I just want to get married. I, I want to buy a new donkey. I want to move into a nice house. I want, to, I, want to, I want to ease into having children. How can this be? But what about her reputation? Talk about change. She's, she's not even married yet. And in this culture that we're reading about, that was, that was a huge no-no. That doesn't happen. In the culture back then, this news of being pregnant without being married could mean being stoned. It, it could mean death. Did Mary, did Mary realize at this moment, during the sudden change, God was, was choosing her? God knew the risk and wanted Mary to hear and to believe. Mary must have been thinking, I had plans for my life, and now you're telling me there's going to be a baby. Jesus, this child I'm, I'm supposed to raise, he's going to be the savior of the world. This is not the first gift I thought I would receive after announcing my engagement. Talk about a major change of responsibility. When you're a young person, she was, just, she was just planning their wedding. Now she's supposed to care for the Savior of the world, change his diaper, make sure he doesn't fall and, and break his arm. She's supposed to, to be a helicopter parent and make sure all the other kids aren't bullying baby Jesus. Mary, Mary probably thought at one point or another, this is going to be hard. What if... What if baby Jesus rebels? What if he doesn't, get, doesn't quite get it? What if baby Jesus gets caught up in the wrong crowd? What if baby Jesus doesn't understand who he is? 
What happens when, when baby Jesus becomes a teenager? What am I supposed to do with that, right? Talk about changes. Surely a sudden change came upon Mary at that moment. And here's, here's what I know about sudden changes in life. Change plans often lead to confusion, which can lead to fear, which can lead to stress in our lives. I believe Mary went through this whole progression in a matter of moments. But, but I go back to Luke one twenty eight, And the angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid. God uses surprises to make us more than we could ever be. Mary had no idea what God was, gonna, what was doing behind the scenes. Maybe she, maybe she would have grown up and had a great average life. She would have been a, a, maybe a great average mother going about her business, living her life by her own plans. But the sudden change came about when the angel said to her, hey, God has found you, someone who is worthy of a favor. And she had no idea. And this sudden surprise will make her more than she could ever be in her life. And this morning I ask you, how about you? On your journey, have there been surprises Changes, curveballs thrown at you? For a lot of us, most of us, yeah. Maybe the curveball in your life this year will make you more than you ever thought you could ever be. More than you ever imagined you could do. When the curveballs come our way in life, it makes us completely dependent on God. Or at least I hope so. God, I, I, God, I didn't expect this surprise in my life. God, I I didn't expect this cancer in my life. God, I didn't expect this job loss. God, I I didn't expect this divorce to happen. I didn't didn't expect this death of my family member or my best friend. God, I, I, I didn't expect, fill in the blank. God, I didn't expect this surprise in my life, and now I desperately need you. And we see this through the heart of Mary. Continuing in verse 35, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age. And, and she who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. The NASB, I love how it translates it. It says, For nothing will be impossible for God. Do you believe that? For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary asked the question, God, how can this be? It's impossible. There's no way. Then an angel comes along and says, listen, God will come upon you. He's going to overwhelm you with his spirit and nothing is impossible with God. I, I know this to be true in my life. I know this to be in true in so many of your lives as you share your stories with, with me and John. When we feel overwhelmed and and major changes are happening, the good news is that God is all around us. When you get news that comes as a surprise, or or when those curveballs come in your life, when you least expect it, when you feel all around, know that God is all around. This Christmas season, you may feel overwhelmed. It may be a tough Christmas season for you this year. Those, those deadlines are coming for some of you guys. The surprises keep coming. The changes keep happening in your life, right? 
The boss says, this has got to be done, right? It's coming. The end of the year is almost here. And you're not quite sure how that's going to happen because you're feeling overwhelmed. This year, know that God is all around us. He's with us. Verse 38. Mary says this, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary says, here, I'm your servant. May it be done exactly as it said, right? She's saying, I'm 14. I have no idea how to care for a child and that of the son of God, right? But I know it's going to work out, right? Mary, believes, Mary believed God's word and trusted her with, with, trusted him with her life. Mary recognized at that moment that she was a servant. She recognized that her family and her friends may disown her because she didn't live up to their expectations. She knew in that moment that Joseph could leave her and call the whole wedding off. She recognized in that moment she could actually lose her life because of that sudden surprise, that sudden change in her life. And I hope this morning, this Christmas season, you'd be able to personalize this. I believe in that moment, Mary got down on her knees and she just, she just surrendered. She, she didn't have it all worked out. And I, and I wonder this morning, have you ever had to do this? Have you ever just had to, to get down on your knees and, and just pray? God, I can't do this on my own anymore. God, I need you. When we surrender, that's when we begin to change. In the midst of confusion, stress, and fear, surrender is what makes things happen. When Mary surrendered, and that's when God went to work. The angel departed the moment Mary surrendered. God goes to work when we surrender too. As we begin to, to wrap things up this morning, I've got a couple questions for you. And you may need to write them down and you may need to go home this week and, and just take your, your Bible time or your prayer time and, and answer some of them. And the first question is, what surprising situations are causing confusion and stress and fear in your life right now? If you, if you can't think of an answer right now, that's, that's Okay. But again, write the question down. Take it home. Because I promise you, those things will come. The curveballs will begin to break right in front of you when you least expect them to. The second question this morning, how can you trust God in these situations? How can you trust God when things in your life begin to change? Because they're going to change. It happens. How will you trust God when the things that surprise you, the sudden changes, how are you going to trust God when those difficult situations happen in your life? What are you going to do? And thirdly, do you need to surrender? Do you need to surrender? And, and for a lot of us, this is difficult. This is difficult for me. For many of us, the, the first step of surrender is to say, God, I can't do life apart from you. I've tried it. I've lived a life against your word and, and things didn't go too well. You have to die to yourself to live for Jesus. And the second, more practical thing today is to pr present your surprising situation to Jesus. Pray to God. Tell him about it. Some of us just keep that all bottled up inside. 
And we, we, we go through the Christmas season. We're going to start the new year with all that stuff bottled up inside. And maybe like Mary, you don't see it all right now, but you need to surrender. But you can be comforted this morning by the fact that Jesus will be, be with you through it all. This morning, there's a, there's a story in the book of Job. And if you don't know the story about Job, Job was someone who who had some very surprising situations. He was someone who who walked blamelessly with God. He did everything right. And God allowed Satan to test Job's faith. God allowed Satan to take away Job's health, his family, his wealth. He was like the richest person, the wealthiest person in the world at the time. And in this situation, Job no doubt had questions for God. And his friends came in and they said, they said this, Job, some major changes and surprises are happening in your life. We see that. And, 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 they, and they've come your way and there are some, some things in your life right now that you need to surrender to. There are some things you need to, to ask God for. And we read them in, in Job chapter 11, starting in, in verse 13. It says this, Yet if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away that sin that is in your hand, and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then free of fault, you will lift up your face and you will stand firm without fear. And, and what's the key here? And I want you to, to write this down or, or remember it. The key here is surrender, prayer, turn to God. And, and as we close today, I ask you this. Do, do you need to surrender a situation in your life to God today? Do you, do you need to receive some prayer? Our elders are here. If, if During our time of invitation, our, our elders, and I'm here, and, and John's here, we would love to pray for you. Do you need to surrender your life to God? Commit to Him for the first time? You're going to live for Him and, and enter into the, the waters of baptism? Man, I love baptisms here. They're so awesome. If that's you this morning, we'll baptize you. We'll move all this stuff out of the way, and we'll get in our... I'll baptize you in this, right? I don't think, yeah. Well, if you need baptism, we got it, right? Do you have some fears this morning you need to let go of this morning? And as we prepare for our closing song of of invitation, I want you to consider these things. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, God, thank you. Thank you for the Christmas season. Uh, Thank you for, for sending your son, Jesus, God, what an incredible time we can have to celebrate his birth. And God, as we we read the scriptures and we think about his birth, there's so many lessons to learn. And God, this morning, I know it's it's Christmas time and some of us have had just extremely stressful years and stressful Christmas seasons. And God, we pray this morning that we can can give our, 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 our things to you, God. We can give it all to you. We can forget about everything going on in our life and we can focus solely on you. God, thank you for for being someone that we can surrender everything to. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for always being around us, especially when when we need you most. Thank you for the story of Mary and that we can learn from it. God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning, would you stand and sing with us as we close out? I don't know how you did that. There we are. Awesome. All right. Can you hear God's voice? Do you believe that he has given us 
the first gift of Christmas to all of us. As you go and win and commit to grow this week, we have a little gift for you. It's simple in gesture, but powerful in presentation. Our gift is not from us. It's the love and grace of God our Father. It is something that is felt with our hearts and displayed through our actions. We pray that you believe and encounter the Spirit of God through, of God through Christmas this year. May this ornament resound just as the angel's words comforted Mary. And as you leave today, you can grab one of these off our tree and put it on your tree. Also, we've got a lot going on after church today. So head back to the fellowship bay. There's awesome. Yeah. And there's, yeah, we have a surprise here. There's a pop-up fellowship. So there's hot chocolate in the back and there's awesome treats to bid on. So please head back there. And uh, thanks for being here this morning. And uh, we hope that you have a great week.